You're listening to the HFO Multifamily Market Watch podcast. Apartment owners who need to know trust HFO, the leading source for multifamily information in Oregon and Washington. Welcome back to HFO's Multifamily Market Watch podcast. It's Monday, February 21st. I'm Mike Pierce, HFO Research Analyst. The big stories from this past week. Commercial and multifamily mortgage loan originations hit a new record high last year. Dollar commitments from public pension funds allocated to real estate investments hit a new high. A new poll shows multifamily investors are reluctant to invest in markets with rent control. And we ask the question, who gains from rent control? HFO's podcasts are sponsored by the tax deferral accommodator Butler Exchange Group, serving as a resource to investors, brokers, attorneys, accountants, lenders, and financial planners on the ins and outs of 1031 exchanges. HFO is your leading multifamily real estate firm in Oregon and Washington. Now, on to our news briefing. Commercial and multifamily mortgage loan originations hit a new record high last year at $900 billion and may not be done climbing. According to the Mortgage Bankers Association quarterly survey results that were released last week, even while the capital markets are widely anticipating the Federal Reserve will start raising interest rates as early as next month, the Mortgage Bankers Association, or MBA, expects the volume to surpass last year's new high. Total commercial and multifamily mortgage borrowing and lending is expected to break $1 trillion for the first time in 2022, a 13% increase over 2021's estimated volume. Part of the growth from 2020 was a bounce back from the worst recession. However, rebounding property fundamentals, strong valuations, record sale transaction volumes, and low interest rates all fueled commercial and multifamily borrowing and lending activity that easily outpaced previous periods. Commercial real estate lending volumes are closely tied to the values of the underlying properties. And in 2021, those values rose by more than 20%. Higher property values means higher borrowing amounts. Those increases will fuel further demand for mortgage debt in the coming years. Continued increases in property incomes and stability in the ways investors value those incomes should also support solid demand for mortgage capital even in the face of modest increases in interest rates. Multifamily lending alone is forecasted to rise to $493 billion in 2022, a new record and a 5% increase that surpasses last year's record of $470 billion. Further out, the Mortgage Bankers Association anticipates borrowing and lending to remain high in 2023, with slightly more than a trillion of total commercial real estate lending and $474 billion in multifamily lending. The surge in lending last year was widespread. By property type, originations for industrial properties increased 140% in 2022. 2022. Retail properties increased 73%. Hotel properties increased 71%. Office properties increased 66%. Healthcare, 56%. And multifamily properties increased 54%. Public pension funds allocated a record $41 billion to real estate last year. The 59% increase last year from the prior 12 months came after a slow start, with first quarter commitments for real estate mirroring levels seen throughout 2020. Commitment activity from public plans that spiked to $12 billion in the second quarter and remained elevated during the remainder of the year. With commitment totals of $11.1 billion in the third quarter and $10.8 billion in the fourth quarter, according to the NASDAQ Private Fund Trends Report. Prior to 2021, the last time quarterly commitments to real estate funds for public plans topped $10 billion was the third quarter of 2019. Overall, pension funds committed $34.9 billion in real estate in 2019. A total of 151 public pension plans reported commitments to real estate funds in 2021, a 41% increase from the number reporting in 2022. All signs point to 2022 being another strong year for fundraising for real estate. 
Multifamily firms are reconsidering investment in rent-controlled markets. This is important for Oregon and Washington because Oregon has already passed a rent control, and there are also quite a few bills this year up in Washington to do the same. So, unsurprisingly from the report, almost 60% of multifamily firms recently surveyed by the National Multifamily Housing Council have indicated that they will reduce or avoid investing in markets with rent control, and an additional 15% are considering cutting back. And less than 30% indicated a willingness to keep existing or add investments to those markets. California received the highest negative rankings, followed by New York, Minnesota, Washington, Oregon, Illinois, and Maryland. We usually don't mention international news on this podcast, but the ideas presented here were very interesting and makes me wonder about parallels within the U.S. market. So we asked the question, who gains from rent control? A new study from two University of Potsdam economists look at the impacts of rent control on high-income and low-income households. Recent experimentation with rent control in Germany coupled with detailed microeconomic data on the rental marketplace, provides a basis for examining the impact of rent control on different households. The paper offers two key findings. First, that the benefits of rent control flow disproportionately to higher income households. And second, the rent control tends to increase the level of income segregation in the city. While rent control policies are usually promoted as a way to help low-income households, rent controls typically apply to all the rental housing in a subject of a jurisdiction, regardless of the rent level of the apartment or the income level of the household. Many of the benefits of rent control are captured by higher income households. In effect, rent control can dissuade higher income households from moving out of their rent control departments to new market rate housing. This in turn means that fewer apartments are vacated and become available for other households. The moving chain generated by new housing development are a key way in which existing housing filters to moderate to low-income households. If high-income households remain in their rent control apartments, this source of new supply doesn't materialize. That enables low- and moderate-income households to remain in neighborhoods that would otherwise gentrify, increasing income integration. But this paper is suggesting the opposite happens, as high-income households remain or increase in central neighborhoods. These findings stand in contrast to popular arguments that view rent control as a measure to preserve a relatively even income mix in central cities. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new edition of Multifamily Market Watch. Be sure to check out our most recent HFO TV interviews. We'll have a new interview coming out soon with Eric Kress, principal at Urban Development Partners, talking about multifamily development in Portland. HFO TV interviews are available on our website or our YouTube channel. You can always stay up to date on multifamily news throughout the week by visiting or subscribing to the Northwest Apartment Investor blog, available on our website. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Stay in the know with HFO. Listen to podcasts, read the latest news, or watch exclusive HFO TV interviews. Connect to our blog, podcasts, or video interviews directly from our website at hfore.com.